Turn your Bible to the book of Galatians. We just finished going through Galatians on Wednesdays. I want to refer back to something that we studied a few weeks ago. There's a thought there I want us to get. In Galatians chapter 3, we're going to begin reading at verse 14. The scripture reads this way, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one. And to thy seed, which is Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And as we look at the scripture today, and we see the importance of the words. Dear God, I trust this will go along with what we've been studying in Sunday school on the King James Bible why this is so absolutely important, and that, dear God, we simply look at some of the words today that we may actually, as we read the Scripture, see issues that apply to us and that we'll be responsible for how we walk. God, do a work in lives today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Of course, the battle over the Bible is a battle over the words. What does it say? I've quoted many times Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4 where Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, as Brother Brian has, so, has taught us so excellently in the history of our King James Bible, it is about the words. The dynamic equivalency group, these with all their other English Bibles under the guise that you want, they want to make them easier to read, they all change the words. They say it's the thought that counts. But the reality is thoughts are made up of words. And you change the words, you change the thoughts. It is a battle over the Bible. God's very specific about His Word. In Psalm chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, The scripture says the words, get this, not the thoughts, the words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of fire, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Has he? I believe he has. I believe he's done exactly what he said he will do. Which is why Psalm 119 and 128 is my life's verse. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. Words have meaning. God gave us specific words for specific purposes. Even in this passage that we just read, as it says in verse 16, Now to Abraham and his seed... Were the promises made. Notice, he saith not and the seeds. What's the difference between seed and seeds? One letter, S. But it's important. 
he makes a note of saying. He didn't say seeds. He said seed. And he's referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. If he had said seeds, he wouldn't be referring to Jesus Christ. This is doctrinal. You change the words, you change doctrine. That's why you want to have absolutely a right Bible. Words have meaning. Now, I have said this many times. There's no part of God's word that Jesus didn't like. He held it all to be God's word. He said to the Father, thy word is truth. Remember back in the 90s. Now, a lot of you can't because you weren't alive back in the 90s. But for those of you who were back in the 90s, we are... Our country went through a national shame. When we had a president that was not only accused of wrongdoing, but before people, he not only lied, but then he tried to play with words. As a matter of fact, it got so silly that a president of the United States had the audacity to look into a camera and tell the American people, well, it all depends on what the definition of the word is, is. Now, kindergartners know what is means. And yet here was one who was supposed to be a Harvard, what was that, a a Rhodes Scholar, and uh, playing with words. And they made another statement. It all depends on what the word alone means. And it got so ridiculous. Our nation became a joke among the countries of the world. If it hadn't been so serious, it would simply remind us of children who try to play with words to get out of some punishment that mom and dad may be passing their way. Now, with that in mind, with about words, the Bible is made up of words. And God lets us know that every word God puts there on purpose. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 20 declares, there is no prophecy of scripture that is of any private interpretation. For holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This is God's book. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. If you play with the meaning of the words, it means nothing. God chose the words that he did because of their meaning. And they all have meaning within the context that they are used. I've given this example before. For instance, I can take a word, a simple word, like cook. Now, you already have a basic idea of what may follow with this. But if I was to say that the cook burned the toast... Because of the context of just those few words, you know I'm talking about a person. You know I'm talking about a person who evidently doing some cooking. That's pretty plain. But I could take that same word and I could say, I'm going to cook breakfast. Now we're not talking about a person. It's exactly the same word, but in the context, we are talking about an action. And that's real plain in the context. For me to try to use 
this context to come up with the meaning of the first one I gave you would be wrong. You see, one was a person, another was an action. And then I could actually say something like this. Bob Cook is a missionary out of Madison Baptist Church. Now you know I'm talking about a specific individual whose last name happens to be Cook, and it makes sense. There was a statement in the Washington Post when they said of words, words are singularly the most powerful force available to humanity. Perhaps that's why God gave us his word, which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The psalmist said, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. He gave the Bible to reveal to mankind truth. The words are vitally important. Now, there are, yes, hard things to understand in the Bible. And I think everybody, we want the easy way. We want the microwave version of the Bible. We want to understand it all the very first time we read it. But you know, when I took math in first grade, I think probably in first grade we were doing one plus one is two and one plus two is three and, and so on. Uh, they did not stop teaching it because I didn't understand algebra, which is part of math. Knowledge of one thing had to learn another thing and another thing before I could ever get to do algebra. And you understand in the Bible, if you want to understand the word of God, first of all, you've got to get saved. The Bible says, The natural man receiveth not the things concerning the Spirit of God, for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. In order to understand the Bible, you first have to have the Holy Spirit of God living within you, and that doesn't happen until you, by faith, take the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. But it is absolutely amazing to me how a lot of people want to just look past the words of the Word of God for some kind of special feeling. And a lot of people read it without even thinking of their responsibility to do what it says. And that's amazing. Words have meaning. Now with that in mind, as we look at the importance of the words, I want to just take a few verses. And I'll show you that for a lot of it, there's an awful lot of it that's not hard to understand at all. All you have to do is read and accept it for what it is. It is God's word. For instance, let's take a few things. Go over to the book of John, chapter 3. John, chapter 3. Now, we're not going to look at every word in the verse, but I want to give you a couple of key words that you need to get a hold of. In John, chapter 3, Jesus is talking to a religious man by the name of Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. He was a man who read the scripture every day because he was a Pharisee. That's what they did. He prayed every day several times. He would fast twice a week. He was so spiritual that he actually tithed of all that he possessed. 
You'd look at this man, you'd say, man, if any man believed in God, this guy believed in God. But notice in verse 3, Jesus says, it says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I'm going to look at one word, cannot. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means that something cannot happen. He cannot. Well, what has to happen? in order for him to see the kingdom of God. He has to be born again. That's very, very plain. No matter who you are, you want to go to heaven, you want to be part of the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God if you are not, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's plain. Now, since everyone's going to die, this life is going to end here. Jesus Christ has made it very plain. If you want to spend eternity in the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Not only that, look at verse 7, still talking to this man. He says, marvel not, I said unto thee. I was talking to Nicodemus, this religious man. He said, ye, Nicodemus, you who believe in God, you who read your Bible, you who tithe, of all that you possess, you who that fast twice a week, you who pray every day, ye must be born again. In other words, just believing in God's not going to get you there. You must be born again. Uh, the fact that you read a Bible, that may be fine, but reading the Bible doesn't take you to heaven. You must be born again. You tithe. Oh, that's a wonderful thing. Well, you must be born again. He already said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, this is just the way it is. Either either you're going to heaven, either you're going to see the kingdom of God, or you're not. And in order to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. You say, well, that's pretty simple, isn't it? Well, yes, it is. You see, there's an awful lot of things God wrote in here that are just so absolutely plain Well, why do people have trouble with that? They don't want to believe what it says. They don't like what it says. They want to be able to go to heaven on their goodness. They want to go to heaven on their standard of what should take them to heaven. But no, they must be born again. All right. We're looking at some words. Remember, God chose out the words on purpose. And the things that you need to understand... Whether you're lost or you're saved and or you've been saved for a little while or for a long while, he chose those words on purpose for us. Now notice, go over to John again, chapter 14. John chapter, I've referred to this many, many times. Very, very simple. I probably quote, this is one of those verses that I practically quote every time I preach. But notice in verse 6, the scripture says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now look very carefully. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
All right, now, first of all, Jesus is the way. Take that little word, the. It is a definite article, and it's very, very plain. He does not say Jesus is a way. He says Jesus is the way. Jesus said that he is the truth. Isn't it interesting that later on when Pilate is sentencing Jesus to death, he asked Jesus what is truth, and he was looking right at him. Jesus is the truth. Not just a truth, not just anybody's truth. He is the truth. And he is the life. And then he says, no man. Now, those are two single-syllable words put together. I don't think you have to be a college graduate or a great theologian to understand what no man means. No man means no man. What? Now, notice, he says, no man cometh unto the Father, but... By me. Well, if we stopped at no man cometh unto the Father, then we're lost, we're undone, we have no hope, and the truth says so. But Jesus says, but by me. Now, according to what Jesus just said, very simply, according to what Jesus said, and a whole bunch of single-syllable words, not all were single-syllable words, but still, even the double-syllable words are still very, very plain and easy to understand. Can any person, according to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, can any person get to heaven any other way than through him? So that tells me something about Jesus. Either he is the only way, or he is no way at all. Either Jesus told the truth, or he lied. And if he's a liar, then he couldn't take anybody to heaven. But this is the word of God, given by God for us. And he makes it very plain. People get upset that we are not tolerant. What they mean by that is because we, we believe that there is only one way to heaven And if you're trying to go to heaven through the church, if you're trying to go to heaven through being good, if you're trying to go to heaven by keeping the law or by keeping the golden rule, or if you try to go to heaven by just adding up your good works, we believe you're lost. We believe if you follow the doctrines of Catholicism, you're lost. Because you see, they don't teach he's the way, they teach Mary's the way. She's called a co-redemptress. There aren't two... two uh, people to get give us uh, redemption. There's only one. That's Jesus Christ. He's it. I could say an awful lot of other things about that. But get the point that Jesus is saying. It is very plain. The Baptists are not the ones who take you to heaven. I happen to be a Baptist. I'm a Baptist by conviction. And I'm not going to take the time to explain all that right now. I want you to get what Jesus is saying. It's not a church or a denomination that can take you to heaven. Jesus Christ is the only one who can take you to heaven. He is the way. Now, that's very, very plain. It's very clear. That's why Jesus used the word, or that's why uh, God used the word seed and not seeds in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16. Very, very clear. 
And that seed is Jesus Christ. He's the fulfillment of it. Well, let me give you another one. Turn over to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Obviously, we're not going to look at all the verses in the Bible, but just uh, things that are so plain, you can't miss it. You don't need to read a theology book to get it, unless you're talking about simply reading the Scripture. Uh, It is the one theology book that counts. Now, in Acts chapter 12 and verse 4, or chapter 4 and verse 12, you have the apostle Peter who is doing the speaking, filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's what he says. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, now look at this, whereby we must be saved. All right, none other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. So, none other name. So, are you telling me then that I cannot get saved through Muhammad? Well, absolutely. None other name. Whose name? Jesus is the name he's talking about. There is none other name. Uh, What about Confucius? No. What about Buddha? No. Take all the Hindu gods that there are, and they have millions of them. Take all the Hindu gods, add them all together. You can't get to heaven through there. There's only one name. Whereby we must be saved. That little word must. Let's just know this is vital. This is important. This is the only name that will get you there. Did you ever see something advertised on the internet and you read the advertisement and it sounded good you say man that's what I need it promises so I won't be hurting certain parts of my body anymore who is it that I go to I want to know but they don't put the name on the first page second page third page fourth page they want you to sit and watch a little video that gets you finally to the name well but that's special why don't you just tell me All right. But very plain in the Bible, one name, Jesus Christ. You must be saved. He's the only one that can save you. He's the only one that will save you. He is absolutely it. We're talking about the importance of words. God used certain words to give us a very clear message from which there can be no deviancy whatsoever. That word must. Well, now with that in mind, all right, let's turn over. Let's go a little further. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, we may find a word or two here that we don't understand, but it's not the words we don't understand that are the problem. It's the words we do understand that God's very plain. Now, Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Then he mentions a number of things. Neither fornicators, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. All right, is there a plain 
message here. Can you understand what he is saying? Adulterers, according to this, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Is that right? I mean, according to this, according to what God says very plainly right here. Fornicators shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The effeminate shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Abusers of themselves with mankind shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, we look at this. What about thieves? No. How about covetous? No. What about drunkards? No. By the way, you never find the term one time in the scripture, alcoholics. I believe there are a lot of reasons for that. One of the reasons for that is the very idea of alcoholism is that it's a disease and you can't help it. Drunkard lets us know it's not a disease, it is a choice and you can help it. There is no germ that makes you wrap your hand around a bottle and put it to your mouth and then swallow. There's no gene that does that. I've said many, many times that there is no help in the Bible for alcoholics, but there is salvation in heaven for the drunkard. You've got to get honest about what you are. And God calls it here. Now, he didn't just mention drunkards. I'm not coming down on those who may be here that drink. Actually, I'm coming down on all these things right here. Uh, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, is that not plain? You understand why a lot of people don't like the Bible? But it's the truth. And in John chapter 8, Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. When you know the truth, that you stand condemned before God, you can turn to Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth and the life, and he will give you eternal life. Now, I love this next verse because verse 11 says, and such were some of you, but ye are washed. Hallelujah. Notice he goes on to say, but you're sanctified, but you're justified. And that's what it's about, being justified, being declared not guilty before God. Thank God. God wants to take fornicators to heaven. Wants to take adulterers to heaven. He wants to take drunkards to heaven. But you see, they've got to come to Jesus and be washed. They've got to come to Jesus and be set apart by him. The hope for the drunkard. The hope for the, for the, uh, for the fornicator, for the adulterer, for the thief for the reviler, for the extortioners, for the effeminate. The hope for them is Jesus Christ. That's plain. This isn't hard, is it? This is God's word. He chose those words on purpose. Their meaning does make a difference. That's why the words are where they're at, so that the message will be real clear. Now, I don't have this one down, but I want you to turn to it anyway. Turn over to the book of 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter, just take the clear words of God. 
very plain, chosen on purpose. You choose different words, you change the meaning, you change the doctrines. But then it's your word, not God's word. You get that? When you change the words, it's your word, not God's word. And if you want to know how God feels about it, and he's the one, the Bible says, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. God's not changing his opinion for you. And he doesn't change his opinion for me. This is plain. Notice in verse 9. He says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Now, to be slack has the idea of, you know, it, it doesn't matter that much, has the idea of, he's not slack. He's got a tightrope here, this thing. He doesn't bend. We bend, God doesn't bend. Notice, he says, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, now get this, not willing that, any should perish. Now, for anybody who just simply reads their Bible, you just read what it said, just reading what it says, does God want anybody to perish? That's pretty plain, isn't it? I mean, it's really clear. He doesn't want anybody to perish. So then, what does he say next? He says, but that all, we got any and all, but that all should come to repentance. So, God doesn't want anybody to perish, so what does he call for them? He calls repentance. Over in the book of Acts chapter 17 and verse 30, it says, in the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth. All men everywhere to repent. Now, here's the point I want to make. I'm not dealing with repentance so much right now as the any and the all. He's not willing that any should perish. And all must come the same way, okay, if they're not going to perish. However, we have groups of people, their churches sometimes hold denominations that believe in what is commonly called today Calvinism, which basically says that God has to do a bunch of things to you in order for you to be able to go to heaven. You've got absolutely no say in it. He's already chosen who's going and who isn't going. And there's nothing you can do about it. And so they read a simple verse like... Second John or Second Peter chapter three and verse nine, and they have to say this: "But as long suffering to usward, not willing that any of the elect should perish." But is that what it says? No, it's not what it says. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Oh, he doesn't mean that. He means all of the elect should come to repentance. Well, the Bible says this, that God be true and every man a liar. So who should I believe? God or men who are saying God didn't mean what he said? Well, I think I believe God. I'll stand by his word. That's pretty plain. If, if there's anybody, for instance, that in this auditorium today, I don't care what you've done in your life. God does not want you to perish. He wants you to go to heaven. 
The one thing you've got to do, and you've got to repent. Repent from what? Well, repent to who? Bible says it's repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you have to, whatever you're trusting, if you're trusting your own goodness, trusting your church, trusting a good life, trusting keeping the law, trusting being baptized, if you're trusting any of that to go to heaven, you're lost. You're in danger of perishing for eternity. So turn from trusting that to trusting Jesus, and he'll give you eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. All right, for God so loved the world. Is he talking about the planet? Obviously not. He's talking about the people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. All right, so the verse is obvious that man is on the road to perishing. But God so loved the world, and we already read he doesn't want you to perish. He put his only begotten son on the cross of Calvary. He so loved the world that whosoever, well, who's not going to perish then? Whosoever believeth in him. But you see, these Calvinist people, they've got sometimes some pretty big churches. But it's not the size of the church that determines truth. It's the word of God that determines truth. They'll say, no, no, you see, what it really means is this. For God so loved the world of the elect. You think God doesn't know the word elect? I think he does. That's not the word he used. He used the words that he used on purpose. For God so loved the world... They say of the elect that whosoever of the elect believeth in him. Well, according to their own doctrine, that would mean all the elect. By the way, I just gave you two verses. I could easily give you 20 verses where they change it just exactly like that. That is wicked. Their word is the word of man, not the word of God. This right here is the word of God. These words are very clear. They're very easy to understand. So, and I believe a lot of these people that come up with these new new so-called versions so it would be easier to understand. This is pretty easy. This wasn't hard at all. Man, you must be born again. Jesus Christ is the only way. You must turn from whatever you're trusting to trust Jesus Christ alone for salvation. And that's what God wants you to do. I'll tell you something else that's plain in all that. God's not going to make you believe. The Calvinists believe. He makes people believe. He wants to believe. And the ones that are lost can't believe no matter what they do. That's not the God of this book. That's a different God. I don't know what version they're getting that out of. They don't get it out of this book. God wants you to be saved. If if a person that's attending Madison Baptist Church today dies and goes to hell, it will not be our fault because we told you, we just showed you the truth, the words of God. It won't be God's fault because, again, He's given you the word of God so you can see. He doesn't want you to perish. He wants you to go to heaven. I think, though, there are some people who want to think that somehow 
God's got a different plan other than what he says here. No, it's only one plan. He's it. There is no other way. Now, don't get mad at me. Are you happy? A couple of you need to change your face. I'm getting worried about you. All right. Now, what I just talked about were a bunch of verses, and there are a lot more, just as simple, just as plain, about salvation. But, you know, we have a lot of practices. You could go into a lot of churches, and you can see a bunch of stuff going on that would be a whole lot different from a Bible-believing church. Over in 1 Timothy, go there, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Now, the passage... Of all the 1 Timothy chapter 2, the main subject of the chapter is prayer. We're not going to take the time to read the whole chapter today because my time's about up. But he talks about men should behave a certain way if they want to get their prayers answered. And, And then he talks about the ladies. He wants the ladies to be prayers as well. But then he says this. He says in verse 9, In like manner also, he's just described how the men are to be. But he says, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. That's, I think, fairly simple with same faceness and sobriety. Now, this is not about heaven now. This is directed to people who are going to heaven, of course. Uh, Not with broided hair, gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the woman, now, see how difficult this is. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not. Now, that word may trouble us a little bit. Because that word suffer, when we think of suffering, we think of being in pain and in agony. We're going through some kind of torment. However, you go back to when our King James Bible was given, the word suffer also meant allowed. The word itself basically means I allow or he allows or she allows suffer. He suffers us not, something like that. He doesn't allow. He says, I suffer not, I allow not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. All right, I've got one word here that, all right, a little tough to understand. And that's the word suffer. (laughs) But the whole rest of the verse are all very simple words. Now, what does this do with women preachers? What does it do with women preachers? Are you saying, Brother Allison, that a woman is not to preach? (laughs) I didn't say it. I didn't write it. I just believe what is written. Well, you know, Paul, Paul, he was a male chauvinist. I don't know if he was a male chauvinist or not, but these words aren't Paul's words. They're God's words. Can a woman preach if she's only speaking to women and children? But she can't to men. Do you get that? Are you saying that they're ungodly? I'm saying if they do, they're disobedient. But some will tell you, but... The Holy Spirit of God told me. No, no. The Holy Spirit wrote this book. He's not schizophrenic. He knows what he wrote. 
forever, O Lord. Thy word is settled in heaven. He's not changing it. Now, I just gave you one example. Now, we could spend all afternoon and go through verse after verse after verse just simply taking very clear words. And they do make a difference to God. They should make a difference to us. How are we ever going to know what God thinks unless we believe what he says that he believes? Now, I realize men may not always tell you, and when I say men, I would mean men and women both, exactly what they're thinking. But God tells us exactly what he's thinking because he only tells truth. This is God's truth. So get in the book. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. See, it's just a matter of what does it say? Believe it. Just take God at his word. You say, what about those deep things? I got a verse for you. You can look at it on your own. Write down the verse. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things, God doesn't tell us everything. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But the things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. As you see what God says about anything, then just believe what he says. It's God. And if you can't believe God, then none of us have any hope on anything in life he's the God who cannot lie he says so let's pray father we come to you in Jesus name Lord I thank you for your word I thank you that it is true and people may say that well they have trouble with brother Allison or they have trouble with Baptist or they have trouble with so-called Bible believing Christians when the reality is their trouble is just simply with God They don't like what it says. It's one thing perhaps not to like it, but to reject it because you don't feel comfortable with what it says is at a person's own peril for eternity. So, Lord, I pray you'd make the words of God clear today to every heart. If there's any here that have never been born again, that do not have this matter settled according to your word about heaven, may they come to Jesus today so they can have eternal life. That's what you want for them. You want them to go to heaven. And for that, they must come to Jesus. I pray they do it. For believers, may we get in the book to find out how you say that we ought to live to please you. And Lord, we'll thank you as you move upon hearts today, for I ask it in Jesus' name.